Slashers and Survivor Girls, welcome to another excellent edition of the Creep It Real Horrorcast. I'm your host, Meg. I'm Lunchbox. You were going to giggle, weren't you? Yes, I was, because you gave me so much shit for saying Heidi Ho. Yeah, but it's applicable to this one. It is very much so, because uh, this week we ended up choosing Child's Play. Yeah. So, it was, uh, so yeah, Heidi Ho works perfect, but well, I guess maybe because I said it as Ned Flanders and yeah. you said it as Charles Lee Ray. So. That's why it works. Yeah, yours is cooler. Chucky said, <laughs> hi, I'm Chucky. I'm your friend till the end. Heidi Ho. Awesome. Oakley Doakley? There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Oakley Doakley. Um, so yeah, Lunchbox's pick this week was the original Child's Play movie. It was released November 9th, 1988 for a budget of about $9 million. And this bad boy was profitable. It came in just under $44.2 million for its worldwide gross. Starring Katherine Hicks as Karen, Chris Sarandon as Mike, Alex Vincent as Andy, and Brad Dorif as Chucky slash Charles E. Ray. The screenplay was written by Don Mancini with passes made by director Tom Holland and John Lafia, who would go on to direct Child's Play 2. So that's the um, the nuts and bolts of the movie. Uh, why'd you pick this one, Craig? Um, for our well, for my first pick of the year, I kind of wanted to go with something simple, like yeah, but also very effective. And this movie, I always uh, kind of find it funny that whenever you mention Chucky. It's like some a lot of people you get that that typical line of uh it's like oh he's just a fucking doll he's not scary and stuff like that but with this movie you know the every time I watch it I don't see that at all I I I find little things in here and there that I can pick out that we'll actually talk about later but yeah I don't see that whole and I, and I used to be one of those people that would say like oh it's just a doll he's not scary but I can see the mass appeal of uh, of why it became a franchise. That That's the part I don't understand is I think a lot of people... If, if you actually sit down and watch and pay attention to this movie, it's pretty fucking scary. Oh, yeah. Definitely scary. The suspense is well built. Um, this is one of those where you've got the big... What's it? The big four or the big five of the slasher franchises. You've got Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers... Um, Pinhead and Chucky and honestly of the five the Chucky the Child's Play series at least those original two they're way scarier than anything else that was put out by anybody else in the 80s yeah there is a whole and that and that is the reason why I wanted to pick this movie was because of that where it felt scarier than a, a more suspenseful it just held, and and it still holds up to this day. It's dark. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's dark. There's suspense. It is genuinely scary. Um, it really kicks you in the gut as a parent, if you're a parent watching this because you're dealing with a small child. It really ticks a lot of the boxes. Are there parts that get goofy and are really hard to hold together? Yes. Oh, for sure. But... As a whole, like the sum of the parts, this movie, it's still over 30 years later holding up really well. I mean, there's, you got Jason and, uh, in, you know, Freddy movies Freddy that became, just still Freddy, don't really hold up as well. 
There's literally one Nightmare on Elm Street movie that ever scared me, and that was um, The New Nightmare. Jason's not scary. Um, you're just rooting for him to kill people because he's big and bad. Um, I might, you could make an argument that the original Friday the 13th had those suspense elements. Um, the Hellraiser series is, I think, got neutered, which we talked about several weeks ago when we did our, uh, Hellraiser part one episode. Um, that got neutered. That was nowhere near what it could have been, but there, you could see the potential. And, uh, what was the fourth one? Oh, Halloween. Halloween has some problems. However, so every slasher that you mentioned has its problems. Oh, for and sure. it had but it also has its heightened like all the good parts too. Like that's the stuff that makes you love those characters. Chucky has the same kind of qualities in them. It's just I think it it's a he kind of for me, kind of trickles down that path of uh, Freddy, mainly because you see his face and he actually talks to you. Mm-hmm. So, and that's he's where... He's not the mute. Exactly, yeah. He's, you spend a lot of time with him in the movie. Yes. Whereas with Pinhead, he sort of just bookends things usually, and then Jason and Michael, they, they don't speak. Um, yeah. I mean, and same thing with uh, Leatherface, um, that that's an, you know as as another slasher king. The honorable mention. But um, oh and oh and Ghostface, how can we forget about Ghostface? He's, Go, because he's Ghostface also Ghostface right came later. Yeah, but I was I'm, talking about the eighties. Oh, the eighties. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, specifically that decade because gotcha. that was where the early eighties, especially the early eighties, was where there was that slasher heyday, um, and then towards the mid mid to back end of the 80s there was a glut of just garbage slasher movies that you had so much so that you kind of as a horror fan at the time and I was a I was a baby in the late 80s so this wasn't anything that pertained to me but I'm sure there were horror fans that had to wade through a lot of garbage to find the good stuff and Child's Play grossed over 44 million dollars on a 9 million dollar budget because it was worth it. And this is one of... I can't point to Nightmare on Elm Street and go, that was scary. I can't point to Friday the 13th and go, that was scary. But I can definitely point to Child's Play and go, this was fucking scary. Now, I also have always thought... I haven't seen any uh, reports or articles uh, you know, from newspapers um, from child, like when Child's Play was released about parents taking their kids to the movie. Do you remember when the movie Ted was released <laughs> and everybody took their kids to see the Teddy Bear movie yeah, from no. the Family Guy creator? And that then, should have been the first red flag from the creator <laughs> of Family Guy. Yeah, but then the whole thing of like, oh my God, like the bear's filthy as hell. It's Fuck like you thunder. Yeah, but I wonder if... Uh, how many parents actually took their kids to see Child's Play because, one, they didn't do any of the research on what the movie was about. <laughs> Two, didn't see I don't know. if there was a rating system or, or whatever it was. They just said, oh, Child's Play. That sounds pretty I don't know. 
there's always going to be that crop of really stupid parents. They did it with Deadpool, and it literally said on the movie poster, do not bring your kids. Yeah. And they still brought their kids and complained to the manager. Yeah. Sorry, Karen, but, no refund for you. So I'm, I'm curious to see is if that had any type of, of an effect on, um, on, on the gross of this movie. And I don't know. Um, I know that one of them, it was either Child's Play 2 or 3, there, it was, it ended up on the video nasties list in the UK because of the potential urge to cause violence, um, in children. There was, I remember, I'm trying to, I can't remember any of the names of the kids involved, but there was a story out of the UK where there was... I think an 11-year-old who... A pair of 11-year-olds, they killed a 2-year-old or something like that. And they ended up calling it the Child's Play Murders. How they managed to connect it to the film is beyond me. But it was either that... It was either they tried to connect it to the film or it was because it was children involved. And they ended up using just the just term the Child's Play. Yeah, Child's Play. Um, I do have to say, though, that the more I watch this series, Seed of Chucky excluded, because that should never have existed. In That's my Jaws 4. Uh, does not exist. Burn it, burn it at the stake. <laughs> it does not. It does not live in this dojo. Damn thee, Satan. The uh, the more I watch the series, especially the last couple that Mancini's put out, the more it's become my favorite. This is really of those '80s heyday slasher movies, horror movies, mainstream, whatever. Chucky and the Child's Play of the '80s has become my favorite, and even. The camp of like Bride of Chucky. I dare say it's not quite as much of a horror movie as its predecessors. However, that one's still a ton of fun to watch. And that and that's where I linked up Freddy to Chucky is because in those later movies they did the same thing where they tried to make him funny or they gave gave it a, a, a more of a comical yeah. stance. Um on top of, you know, yeah. what what happened. And, and Bride of Chucky, I think that's where it really started to crank on that, that they, comical yeah, side. The, so Child's Play 1 and 2 were more traditional horror, um, leaning in real heavy with the scary, and sus- especially the suspense parts. Child's Play 3 was rushed. Uh, that was nowhere near what I think it could have been. Um, Bride of Chucky was just a ton of fun. Um, it was stupid funny for the most part. Still played up a lot of horror, but that definitely sits very firmly in the horror comedy category. Uh, Seed of Chucky should not exist. And then the recent two, um, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, go back to basics where they're almost gothic in yeah. nature. Like I think they they fall more very in that gothic so. horror where you're dealing not necessarily with the ghosts, but you're in one place. It's usually like a... Because you're dealing with, you know, the haunted house it's, feel. It's or an this, isolation. And the, and the, the asylum. And the look of the movie yeah. felt very cold and yeah. stony. Um, so they definitely play a bit with it being more of like a gothic horror kind of thing. But today we're doing what kicked off the franchise. We're doing the original Child's Play. Yeah. Uh, not intended for sequels, Child's Play movie. Um, yeah. and, and, and we're not like... We were actually pretty big fans of 
the remake that just I enjoyed, came out. I enjoyed the 2019 remake. Yes. Um, it had its its they had its issues, but we're not. I I'm gonna try to actively avoid comparing the two. <laughs> yes. So for this uh, yeah. episode, we'll, we'll hold that for a whole nother episode. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, this will be OG number one. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but um. So the first note that I had for the movie was Brad Dory is the fucking man. I love Brad Dorif. This is um, about 10 years after Cuckoo's Nest. Um, this is where he sort of started becoming... Oh, it's that guy in movies. Um, he, yeah. His his actual live part of the movie is very small. He only has a few minutes of screen time as himself. Um, but he's also the voice of Chucky. And he does that sinister thing really well... He does, for a guy who doesn't look super imposing, his voice is. Very much so. And and you mentioned uh, Cuckoo's Nest. That was the, the first time that I ever uh, was uh, introduced uh, to him properly. I remember watching movies um, from... Uh, like alien, I think it was Alien Resurrection. Like he was at the, uh, he was in that. He was the one that That's was like unfortunate. He well, I actually liked that movie, but it was a. Uh, you mean Alien versus Oh Alien Resurrection? I like Alien. I Resurrection thought you were talking for some reason. But, I thought you were talking about AVPR. No, AVPR is another one that shall not not be named. Gotcha. Um, Put that on the list. Yes, that that's another one in in the Jaws four bin. Um, right. But no, but <laughs> in, in uh, Alien Resurrection, he's the one that's at that like starts to, like, make out with the alien, behind, like, on the other side of the glass. Like, it's really creepy. He's Yeah, because he's one of the scientists. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, also, I mean, uh, I remember seeing him in Lord of the Rings. Yep. And what's crazy is that he kind of looks like, in Lord of the Rings, he looks just like Charles Lee Ray, but more sickly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's 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 a weird thing. So he's got the long same kind of long hair, uh just real stringy and stuff he like that. He tended to stay he his roles tended to be more in the like thriller thriller to like more in like the thriller camp and then they sort of bordered on other genres. Like it would be like a horror thriller or a sci fi thriller or something kinda like Kind of like that. It was like that seems to be more his his lane. Um, and in terms of what he did for Child's Play, what he brought to this role is um, oh, and he also played Sheriff Brackett in the Rob Zombie Halloween yep. remakes. Um, before I forget, but it, what he brought to the Chucky role is he brought a little bit of gravitas to it, and uh, he just his. The way he can kind of contort his voice, like if you were to compare what he did with Sheriff the Sheriff Brackett character in Halloween, he was actually very sweet and mild mannered. And then in this, with the way he he can do something with his voice to where it sounds like he's bigger than what he really is. And then with the way with the intensity, he does a lot. He get real intense with his voice, and when he's just. Even just yelling and screaming his head off. And I, for a guy, his he's not a very big man. No. So that it doesn't... Sometimes it doesn't fit when he really gets rolling like that. Yeah. And it's it's hilarious because, yeah, when he starts screaming at the cop or, or at, the, at the detective when they're having their shootout in the toy store, um, 
you can hear he starts to say, "Oh, I'll, you know, like I'll, I'll kill y'all." But it, it's almost like he just smoked like a pack of cigarettes, mm-hmm. and he's got like that raspy, just that bass in his tone, mm-hmm. and it, it almost like that. It's just a almost like a reverb, like it's just it's just kind of echoing off, and it's not anything that they enhance. He just was just. It's just the way that he delivered it. And it, and he it, brings a lot yeah. of the nasty to Chucky. Like, there's he brings a bit of snarl and grit to the character, yeah. too. Where he is a doll. It's a doll. It should be stupid. Yes, and that's the, that was the key, uh, is that I think with giving Chucky that look, that very, just that uh, welcoming look right. to the doll, and then... Whenever Charles Lee Ray would actually speak and you could actually see him moving and things like that, he had a very soft side to him. And I could see where with Charles Lee Ray, where that could be very welcoming on his own, where he he can manipulate you by, you know, hey, guy, what's up? Like, why don't you come and hang out with me? And just uh, let's let's be buddy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could see him doing that. As a human, and then the switch flips, and he becomes angry, scary man. Yeah, and then it's it's like it's just like yeah, that psycho killer unleashes, um, and he's just very very unhinged. But I like that where it's even when you see the doll, you can see that it it kind of it doesn't fit just like it didn't fit for him as a human, but in a weird way because of that soft spokenness, it. It, it it matched in, in a weird way. Well, let's talk about the yeah. doll. So the doll itself was built by Kevin Yeager, um, who is like 80s effects makeup artist extraordinaire. Yep. He was one of the guys who managed to make... He worked on a couple of the Nightmare movies, and he was just... He was all over the place. Um, and side, adorable sidebar, Catherine Hicks, who plays Karen Barkley, they met on this movie, and they are still married to this day. Hey. And it's adorable. Mazel tov. Well, she she chased him. She was like, he was so cute. And they were, I don't know, she, they hey. got together and the rest is history. But the if you've ever seen any of the behind-the-scenes featurettes or interviews for this movie, one of the cool things is when they do talk to Kevin Yeager about what his thought process was putting this thing together, he tried to make the doll as sort of like cute and innocent as possible. And then as the movie goes on the doll starts becoming more human because of how the voodoo magic is working with the doll and you can see different stages like the hair starts to get a little bit longer the skin gets a little more sallow and i love that detail in it the hairline starts to recede even in some of it so by the end of the movie um before he gets chucked in the fireplace he's got a real it's like a plastic version of a human look to him. And that's like when, he, oh, when he's in the elevator and he's mm-hmm. in the corner of the elevator and the old lady gets out and she says, God, what an ugly doll. And, uh, and at, fuck you. <laughs> but you like, looking at him, he looks like a really tired Person. man. Yeah. yeah. And that was the thought process there. It was really cool to see that, to, to actually see played out in front of you how the magic was working yeah i i was actually very impressed with how it went from that super plastic 
uh, look to that where you can almost see where there's like a skin texture to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the stuff with, uh, they did a really good job with how if, if you got shot or something like that, you could see a little bit of blood. Um, I had I had like some questions about how, because there, there was one where like uh, uh, Mrs. Barkley uh, shot him in the leg. He didn't bleed, but you could see the stuffing uh, that that came out of, yeah. out of out of the the leg, and it was just kind of like, was he was the regenerating just starting from the heart outward and then like kind of spreading out or like how was the I don't know that wasn't that wasn't a hundred percent clear. Um, well, because he got shot in the shoulder and you can see him bleed. Yeah, and that's where it was like where was the. Like, it might be, a, continu- it might be yeah. a continuity error because though he got shot in the shoulder first, yeah, and then he got shot in the leg later. That might have just been an oversight. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but the the thought pro like the amount of thought and detail that went into not just designing the doll, but in the timeline of the doll. This movie takes place within the inside of uh, inside like of a two week. Two days. Yeah, it's only like. Maybe three days, including the day yeah. that Charles Lee Ray... So you're inside of a week when all of this is going down. And um, including the death of Charles Lee Ray. Like, he put he dies, like, puts he, himself in the doll, and then the next day he winds up with Andy. Yeah. Like, because the, the hobo went and took the doll before any of the cops or anything like that could really shut the, uh, the, Get the toy, toy store, store down. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, he, he sells the doll, and then Andy gets it, and then... Yeah, it's like within like I think three days. It's it's like a three three four day span. Yeah, and I was like, that's fucking crazy for he, all this shit to happen just at it. Like he worked fast. Oh yeah, he worked real. That that was a fast moving doll. Um, he had to get his revenge over and done with, and uh, that was that was really cool. The cast in this was really stellar too. Like there wasn't a bad actor in the bunch. Very very uh, small cast and that's what uh, again i like it when they do have a kind of tight niche where you can kind of focus on certain characters yeah it keeps it keeps your attention from being pulled in other places um there was the one there was a couple of the supporting characters there was um mike's mike uh his sergeant partner yeah yeah he's one of the other cops there's one of the other cops in the doctor at the asylum and that was it outside of the core group of four yeah um Real quick before like we jump into any of the other characters, uh, one thing that I was uh, trying to think about uh, with Chucky is <laughs> one of the notes that I put on there was the after the opening scene where Charles Lee Ray puts himself in the doll, the lightning strikes down and he goes in um, and does the whole the whole thing. Dumbala. Yeah, Dumbala. And the detective comes over, Charles is dead, and he sees the doll there, and you can see the light shining. I thought it was such a such a cool little effect, because as the audience member, you know that Charles is in that doll, and you can see this, like, little glimmer of light shining off of one of the eyes. And it just, it, it just adds for a really cool effect. It's a effect. nice little detail if you notice it, for sure. Really cool effect. And <laughs> then I got to thinking, I was like, what did that feel like to get transitioned from the human body into the into the doll? And it's like, 
that must have been like being like birthed again. Like just for Charles to be like, oh, I'm just gonna wake up and then like to like click instead of you know having like you know that fleshy feeling. I thought it was really funny. But then um, also the fact that he figured out how to go quote unquote toy and stay frozen and not move and to just like in Doc McStuffins go stuffed yeah go stuffed <laughs> like I was like he's taking like lessons from Woody like just oh like yeah Andy's coming <laughs> yeah um and then so I was like oh like so Charles got really good with that and the fact that he would he would talk to Andy you wouldn't see him move and Andy would like they did a great job because Andy would like go over really close and they would play on that where oh like he said something to he's me he's telling me a secret yeah and like that that added like especially in the beginning of the movie that added an extra layer of oh shit that that's the whole Something that's the broke. whole play well the initial the whole idea of the at least in the beginning of the movie as it starts it, it gets abandoned pretty fast but the idea is well, is Andy crazy or is he not crazy? Is he really the one yeah. committing these murders? And I love that they played on both. Like, you could see both sides of where it's a kid. He's like, I'm fucking telling you the truth, man. Like, and then, you know, the other... And yeah, none of, none then of, the adult brains just... Yeah, they, they don't buy it. No. Um, it gets abandoned really fast, though. They don't... I think that they should have stuck with it a little bit longer, but by the time we get to Eddie Caputo's place, like as an audience, we know it's Chucky because yeah. we see his hand like grabbing things, and it's just. Um, I wish they would have stuck with that a little bit longer. Well, I, I don't mind the Eddie uh, the Eddie Caputo like which was his, uh, Charles Lee Ray's partner, yeah. and the thing that that killed me was the that scene where. Uh, Andy is looking for Chucky. He set Chucky down and he had to go pee. And he's like, Chucky, Chucky. And he's like walking around the house. And Eddie, he's, he's got a gun. He knows somebody's in the house. And he goes and he points the gun right at Andy. And he's like, and he, and he stops. I was like, he could have shot Andy. Mm-hmm. And like, that's terrifying. Well, that whole thing where the, a, a six-year-old yeah. goes off gallivanting around the, the south side of Chicago... That is the scariest freaking thing about this movie is that his mom drops him off at school. And he doesn't go to school. It's not the killer doll. It's not the things that go bump in the night. It's not the near rape scene. It's the fact that a six-year-old boy schleps his doll across town to this real gnarly part of Chicago. and Super he's, dank. And he's just wandering around amongst the homeless people and the vagrants and shows up. It's like, oh, this is Eddie Caputo's house, and he goes and takes a whiz behind a garbage pile, and like the houses, the houses are filled with rats. There's trash everywhere. Like that was the scary part. Yeah. Forget any of the other stuff. Like as a parent, I'm just like, <gasps> yeah, the fact that he just went off, and and also too shame on everyone that lived in Chicago. But I'd be like, hey kid, where's your mom? Yeah, like not one person said anything he, to him. He had to he had to get on a train. The the ticket, the guy at the ticket counter wasn't or even the guy like letting people on wasn't like, "Hey man, where's your parents?" 
Nobody? Not a single yeah, not person? Not a single person said anything to him. And all those, like, the the people down, like, the homeless shanties, nobody said, hey, hey, buddy, how you doing? Like, nothing. Like, you just saw a kid It's like he walking. didn't exist. Yeah. It was really weird. Um, that's but, the part I was holding my breath for because people are terrible. And I was like, oh, this could go sideways, not having nothing to do with the doll. Um, and Andy, Andy himself was... Uh, Alex Vincent in this role, I think he was like seven when he got cast, is adorable. And um, he's a real precocious little kid. Uh, he speaks well. He the he acted about as well as a kid his age was going to be able to. And um, he was believable. Like when he was trying to get everyone to believe the fact that it, it's Chucky. Chucky pushed Aunt Maggie out the window. Or, you know, Chucky's the one saying these things. And no one wants to believe him. Like, they're... Just the earnestness in his voice is like, why doesn't anyone believe me? Yeah. And, and then to have his mom not believe him, like, you could see how hurt he was by yeah. that. And and they really, really played on that aspect in uh, Child's Play 2, where it's just like, no one believes him, and it just it, it, it escalates even further. With this one, it's... It, at the beginning of the movie, when Maggie gets pushed out of the window and then he's just like i was i was in bed and then like well who was on, like somebody was on the counter like they could see the they and that was another nice little thing like little like added uh oh, the know, footprints with the, the, with the foot with the footprint where it's like okay well we got to show somebody did something and we'll do the footprint it has like a distinct footprint because of the the good guy uh, yeah it says it's got a good guy print on it it says good guys right on that on the the sole of the shoe so and it's like it's etched in there so yeah. you actually print put the print down you get a footprint yeah. from it so it was a it was a nice little touch but then it was just the whole thing it was like i didn't i wasn't on there and then when he actually sees the bottom of chucky's feet and he's like i know and he and like he goes and, and tells his parents because he doesn't. He knows that Chucky is talking to him, and is is alive. But Chucky at this point is still being very, like nice and kind to him. So it trying to get, I don't even know what out of him. Like he doesn't. Chucky at this point doesn't know that he has to swap bodies. No, but. Andy's really the only way he's gonna get anything done, and um, because he can't, he on some level he knows he can't expose himself to any of the adults, and kids are really, especially kids that young and as sweet as Andy is, like they're really easy to manipulate. So that was really just Chucky taking advantage of a, a weirdo situation, um, and then yeah, come to find out later that he needs Andy to actually, like, transition back into a human body. But, um, yeah, just the part where, and the part where Andy's in the asylum, and he's, like, Chucky's going to kill me, and he's just, he's freaking out. The doctor doesn't want to help him, and he starts to cry. Man. Yeah, I... I that like, hurts so bad. Yeah, it, it was so believable, and just that whole, the, the whole line of, don't leave me. yeah. I had. I was like, God, I just want to give him a big old. I hug. had that that mom that parent urge, yeah. where like if you see a kid who's upset and crying, you just your immediate 
your knee-jerk reaction is to, like, pull them into your arms and hug yeah. them until they stop. That's where I get every time I see Andy is, like, it's just, like, all right, come here. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it better somehow. Yeah. And, 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 and Alex Vincent did a fantastic job in that, that camp. Especially when, being when as those, little. Exactly. When those scenes happen, it's, like, what, like, I wonder, it's, like, how... How did you get him to that level of upset? Him? Because he was actually terrified that Chucky was coming up the stairs, which also we'll get into. Uh, I want to talk about that too, since we were talking about Chucky. But it's like they saw him walking up, or he saw him walking up the stairs, and he knew Chucky was coming after him. And it's like he was legitimately terrified. And then that that whole the, the doctor. Like, having the kid, like, locked up in a room like that, too, was very... It was not... It was very, like, old-school asylum kind of thing. And I could see why the the psych, after, you know, Andy... He saw what was going on with Andy at the police station. I could see why the psych was like, we should probably observe him for a couple days. Yeah, and they keep him in a room that has nothing, no stimulation. But it was also very much, like, there was... Bars on the doors and windows. Like, this was not the kid's wing of, like, a psych hospital or anything like that. Like, this is just general population. And I... The whole, it just... It was cold and sterile, yeah. But there was also a bit of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? There was, like, an intimidation element because of it. Because there was... There was bars on the windows. Everything was made of concrete. Yeah. There was the big, heavy door. Um... It was just not, it was definitely not a kid place to be. Um. And and what would suck too is that, I mean, with, Andy doesn't, you know, fully understand why he's in there. Right. And like, because in his mind, it's Chucky. Chucky's doing all this. Why am I getting punished? Right. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth. And he's not even really being punished for anything at the moment. He's just, I think. He, as a kid, you have to be wondering, like, I'm telling everyone what's going on. Why don't they believe me? And now I'm being taken away from my mom for a couple days? Yeah. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. And later on, I think it's what, uh, not Cult. It's, it, I think it's one of the last Chucky movies before the remake. Cult, there's the, I call it the, affectionately call it the Cougar's Nest Chucky. It's the Cult of Chucky. Yes. Well, there's one where, where Andy comes back as a grown man and he's, gone full Sarah Connor. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I love seeing that side. Yeah, that was, just... he, we got a little bit of Andy at the end of Curse of Chucky, and then it was full bore and Cult of Chucky. Yes. Um, that one was, well, I have no doubt we'll get to that one eventually. Oh, yeah. But it's still, it's awesome that they still kept with that uh, kind of lore and the storyline and kept it intact. Well, the, the one of the unique things about the Child's Play series is that it only has one man's fingerprints on it the whole way through. Good, Which is good. Good, bad, or ugly. It's all Don Mancini's. Mm -hmm. It's not like Nightmare on Elm Street where it started out as West... It got bookended by yeah. Wes Craven, but there was different writers and directors in between. Or it's not like Friday the 13th where they just threw a dart and hoped to get somebody who knew what they were doing. It was very much like one guy's vision, what he wanted to do with it. The studio pushed him to get these scripts together. And even now it's at the point where, you know, it started with Seed of Chucky, unfortunately, but with Curse and Cult, like Don Mancini directed those too. Those are his movies. Um, so Child's Play is very unique in that way. Um, I 
I think because you brought up the whole the weird thing about Chucky too is that they they had to use so many different effects to make this work. Yeah. Well, let's um let's do a quick little uh, we'll do know. a little break and then we'll talk about that bit. Yeah, buddy. And we are back. Oh. So the effects to make Chucky work. I'd like to get into other character stuff after this, but I think it's important to talk about this because yeah. this is one of those where they kind of had to pull everything they could out of their box of gimmicks to make it work. So there was the the puppet. There was and there was a few different versions of the animatronic puppet. Um, there were some that were on rods. There were some that had to be pulled. There were some that were just remote controlled. And then they also had either a kid or a little person dressed in a Chucky costume for those real kind of wide yeah. action and, shots. And that's that's the one I mentioned where he's uh, walking up the stairs. It's they it's they did a great job filming it because it's like a quick shot. You just see you see the, the, legs. the legs go up. So it's like yeah, you could have some a person in the costume and just and have them go up and then they they flip back to Andy real quick. And there was they, another, another two there was shots. another shot inside of the asylum. Um, I think it was when they were in the that surgery room where Chucky's running and it's a, again it's a person in a Chucky costume and just seeing that like they built the doll big like the doll was almost as big as Andy. Yeah. It was they definitely played on that my buddy doll thing where the doll was close to three feet tall. And um, it was a big fucking doll. And so, you know, the the right little person in the suit would get the job done. Um, well, and my favorite is when, like, Chucky would walk down the hallway and they would just show just the bottom of the, le- you know, the bottom of his feet. And you could just see him walking and, and just doing the pivot, like... It just added for this whole extra layer, and then also when he became, uh, you know, crispy marshmallow Chucky, and he's you know kind of creeping towards Andy with the you know yeah just that was the, the robotics doing that. But honestly, I think yeah. the the little person in the Chucky costume was scarier than anything else. Oh no, because it moved so well. No, the when after he gets he comes out of the um, out of the fireplace and he's all melted and stuff. Uh, they're uh miss barkley and andy are trying to take care of the uh knocked out detective um she says oh go get the the first aid kit he runs in he's like and he looks over and sees that chucky's gone and then when he like after he's running down the hall and chucky trips him there's a part where chucky's kind of walking towards him and it's a it's a little person in a costume like in a melted chucky costume super creepy just because he's just kind of yeah. just lurching forward just as, as slow as he can and it the the look of it yeah was was intense too just somehow they made all that look scary and you could see the the skeleton melted through the fingers you could see like parts of the metal skeleton po- poking out like you could see uh the teeth the teeth were still showing and what was great was uh even with the the charred bits like the animatronics still worked so and it's like you could like, see little bits of skin hanging off and and, it, and like his lip would still move and you could get like the like where you could see his teeth and he would start talking and then his eyes would uh you know start to kind of you know, blink. And you could the uh, eyebrows yeah. and stuff. It was all it was, the de- it, was really it was really good. the details were thought out really well. Um, now the adults in the movie were 
Chris Sarandon, which sometimes if you close your eyes and you listen to him talk, all you picture is Jack Skellington because <laughs> that was his one of his most or roles. Humperdinck, Princess Bride. Princess Bride, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He was uh he was he was what was it? He wasn't King Humperdinck because he didn't he wasn't married yet. He was a prince. So I think he was he was still. I don't remember. It's been a little bit yeah. since I've seen it. But I just like the name Humperdinck. So. Yes, he was he was Prince Humperdinck in that. Um, so yeah, he had two notable notable roles. But our kids have been on a nightmare before Christmas tear. So, yeah. um, all I hear is Jack when I close my eyes. Uh, he was great in it. He did really well. Um, as just the, he was just playing a cop role, and he was the foil for Charles Lee Ray. Yeah. And I'm sorry to, to to stop you on that, but he was also in Fright Night. He, he was, was the main vampire. Van, vampire in Fright Night. We can't forget that. Like that's that is a big one that we're probably going to be doing soon. But yeah, Fright Night should be coming down the pike sometime this year. Oh yeah, but uh, but yeah, no. So like Chris Randy, like he's awesome. Uh, Alex Vincent, as we mentioned, was we great. But uh, what was the Catherine uh, Hicks Catherine. as Karen? Yes, Karen Barkley, Andy's mom. One thing that I didn't notice before, and I've seen this movie a bunch. It's pretty well known. It's it's Karen's clearly a single mom. I just thought Dad was in the picture, and uh, there was a a line Andy said that I clearly I'd missed every other time I'd seen this movie, where he says. Um, Chucky says he was sent down from heaven by Daddy to come stay with us. Oh, you, I don't know how you missed that. I just I missed it the whole time. <laughs> it was a th- bit of a throwaway. It was kind of at the at that time where he was trying to s- explain to everyone how Chucky could be alive. Yeah. And I think I was more focused on the other stuff than I was to notice that. But Andy's dad had died. This kid is, and they didn't want. to... It was never mentioned in the movie, like, how that could have potentially fucked him up and why he might be having some psychological issues. Like, they're exploring all the... They're exploring the fact that this kid could potentially be homicidal, but they didn't want to talk about that, oh, his dad's dead. There could be a reason why that he's behaving like this, but... Yeah. And another thing, with too, with Catherine, I mean... Or with Miss Miss Barkley, it's like I really felt for her because I... You know, we both have been in those situations where it's like she is just struggling and struggling, and it just doesn't seem like life is just helping her out whatsoever. No, and, and she thought she was finally gonna. Well, because in the beginning, yeah. it's established that she's doing all of this on her own, and finances might not be the greatest because she says it's Andy's birthday when the movie opens, and she says to him, um, she got him his presents. He thinks he's getting a good guy doll. And he was really disappointed. She said, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't know about it in time to save up. Which meant that, like, she would have needed several weeks to put together something in order to get him the doll that he would have wanted. So there's little hints that she's she's trying to keep it together. Um, she doesn't own a car. She, she took a cab. Because yeah. there was the scene where she had um, confronted... After she finds out Chucky's alive, she confronted Mike Norris in front of the police. Or um, where was he? Yeah, it was in front of the. It was the in front of the police station, station. Yeah. and because um, he was on his way home. Yeah, and she, and she said, um, "Well, what are you going to do about this?" And he he said nothing, and so she's like, "Well, I'm going to go to Charles. Or I'm going to go to yeah, find she, the va- find the vagrant who sold me the doll, and it's on the bad side of town." And she jumps into a cab. 
And so I'm like, okay, so she must not drive. Yeah. She doesn't have a car. Yeah, she's she's definitely that that sing like I, and I almost feel like the father's death was pretty recent. Um, just because... Well, she's still wearing her wedding ring and stuff. Yeah, and also it's with the that whole line that Andy gives where it's like, oh, like you know, he was sent down. So, like, he must have told or talked to Chucky about it, and so it's still pretty fresh in his mind. Um, and then the whole thing with uh, just that struggling mom where she's... Like, I, I didn't save up enough to, to buy this hundred dollar toy it was um, like american girl doll for a boy yeah so i mean she's like i know what that feels like where it's just especially when you when you look at your your kid and it's like you really want to do something for them but you know that you can't and that that really sucks so i felt for her on that but then when her friend tells her about the vagrant that's got the good guy doll out in the alley and starts off, she's like, well, how much do you want for it? And he's like, or I think he starts off like 70 bucks or something like that. And then like the friend goes, oh, I'll give you 10 for it. And he's like 20. And she's like 30. Like, like, uh, Ms. Barkley was like, I'll fucking take it. Like whatever you got, like, I'll take it. Like, I'll just give you, but it's like her friend was the one that was bartering with this, with this hobo. And well, Aunt Maggie was the one who was <laughs> yeah. pushing um, pushing her Karen really hard to get it because she knew that you know Andy wanted it pretty badly, and she's like, "Hey, here's your opportunity. Don't don't blow it." Yeah. And Karen wasn't assertive. Like Karen, the two of them together, we didn't get a lot of Maggie before she died, but Maggie was super assertive, almost to the point of being aggressive. And Karen was a little more fade into the background, so I think that's why Maggie stepped up and started haggling with the hobo because she knew that Karen was just going to be like, I'll give you whatever you want. And Maggie was also there to protect her friend. Yeah. So that we, and we know that that played a part of it because when we run into the hobo again later in the movie, Karen's by herself and she nearly gets her ass raped because she's alone. So, yeah. Um, that makes a big difference. But to there you. is, so after we get the doll back home, she has to, and we'll talk about the, the shitty manager that she works for um but she ends up going taking andy home on his birthday and she's got the big box you know wrapped up and then she turns to andy and she's like oh this isn't groceries and she hands andy the box he goes opens it up and it's the big uh you know it's just the, the big reveal and he's just like super excited and this and kid is obsessed with he's got good guy pajamas he's got some of the little toys he's wa- constantly watching the show like when she brings him home from school um uh, on his birthday before he gets the doll she's like why are you in such a rush she's like the good guy show is gonna be on so he's obsessed with this whole thing yeah. this was like kind of like when Rainbow bright or something with the little girls in the early yeah. 80s. Same kind of idea. Well, I mean, I ran through the same thing with, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters. Uh, I mean, it's like you you name it. If it was a if it was a nerd show in the nineties, I was all over it. Like most of you are, don't deny it. Seriously, um, don't even pretend. Yeah, but I mean, like Ninja Turtles, I was head over heels for it. Like, I mean. My mom, uh, oh, for for Ghostbusters, uh, and I'm talking like, so I, I was a big fan of 
the movie and the cartoons. And it got to the point where uh, I was such a big fan of it that there was one night uh, my mom took me to go uh, – we went to eat. And so she got me a little thing of like fried okra. And I did not want to eat it. Yeah, because like, okra is disgusting. I was like, I do not want to eat it. I, it. It's disgusting, whatever. She told me that they were Ghostbuster pellets. And this is what the Ghostbusters eat before they go out and ghost hunt. I was such a dummy kid that I was just like, awesome. And I was just like, ah, I just went to town on them. But I could see Andy doing the same thing. And so with yeah, with Miss Barkley, where she gives Andy something that he really wants. It's not to say that he's a bad kid and like and you know going off of like a consumer thing where it's like do you, does he really need a a physical property to make him happy? But it's a weird thing where it's like you work so hard to and it's like even if you give him something little that boosts up his day when his father has passed away, he doesn't really have he doesn't have a brother. Yeah. He doesn't really have anybody, and... He's an only child. It's him and his mom. There might be... There could be a guilt element involved. You could probably kind of psychoanalyze her a little bit. But I think most of it is just, um... Andy doesn't ask... I don't think Andy's a kid who asks for much. And so when he does, like, maybe she thinks that it's something that's really meaningful. And and he's a good kid, so it's, uh... Yeah. Well, until there's questions as to whether or not he might be. Yeah. Um... But yeah, that was this was this was an interesting mother and son story too because it's just sort of like you can see Karen sort of start to come she comes unhinged a little bit when it's implied that it was Andy that killed her best friend, that it was, you know, Andy was found at the scene of the Eddie Caputo murder. That's not helpful. Um so it's like she's getting all this information that her son could potentially be becoming unhinged. Like how do you handle that as a parent? Yeah. Especially when he's not even showing signs of actually coming unhinged. Like he's He seems pretty down to earth and rational. Yeah, he's he's just as normal as he ever was. He's just talking to this damn doll and he's trying to get it to talk back to him and it doesn't want to play play ball. Yeah. And so it really it does suck in that aspect for you know Miss Barclay where she's she ends up going home with the doll sitting down in front of me. She's like, talk, talk, damn it. I know you can. And then like, she freaks out, goes to the, to the fireplace, lights the fire. She's like, say something. And all of a sudden the big reveal. And she's like, you this fucking bitch. And you start, like, he starts like beating the shit out of her. And it's like, oh shit. Like that's, that's yeah, when things and that start was, popping off. So that was the big reveal for her. And that's when she, I think she always had an inkling that Andy was telling, maybe not the full truth, but he wasn't lying because she wanted to believe him. And when she, Andy got taken to the psych ward and she took the doll home and she went through the whole thing. Well, the big, the, the big tip off for her was when she picked the box up and the batteries fell out. The most impressive thing about this movie and the part that was the least believable was that someone was able to get a toy with batteries included. Yep. That's not real. <laughs> I said the same thing. I was like, God damn, that shit don't happen anymore. That's not real. Batteries are so, so not included. You, uh, The one thing that I loved about that scene 
was they took something that was so simple and not scary and made it terrifying. Because, yeah, like she just picks up the box, the batteries drop out, and then the music and just the mood in the room flips on it on as a dime. Soon as, she, as soon as those batteries hit the floor and the camera that, pans that, down. that piano, that... And yeah. then... Yeah. So, and then she goes over and has her moment where she checks and she's like, well, that can't be right. There has to be batteries in this thing. And she sees the battery pack is empty. Well, she opens the battery pack and then Chucky's head flips around. He's like, hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? It's like, fuck you. Yeah. And then like, and then yeah, like he, she drops it and then, and then it rolls underneath the couch. And shortly after, you know, Chucky beats the snot out of her and bites her forearm, like he takes off, like he run, he leaves he takes off through the apartment. He heads downstairs. He's gone. And that has to be a real kick in the gut for her, too, because, like, she has proof that Andy's not lying, and her proof just ran out the door. Yeah. Yeah, especially... And, and that's the thing where it's, like, the whole uh, last half of the movie is her... She's like, I gotta find Chucky. Like, I have to find Chucky to prove that my son is not batshit well, when crazy. Well, when she was talking to Mike the second time around... Uh, about it like she, she was just like how like you could tell Mike wasn't having it until the she mentioned Charles E. Ray's name and well no 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 it was uh it was Eddie like she keeps mentioning Eddie Caputo's name and she doesn't mention uh, Charles. Thought she mentioned Charles' name in there. It, w- it wasn't until afterwards um, they go to it was it was the it was the bum and the vagrant, mm-hmm. and uh, the it was after the bum said, "Oh, I got it at this at the toy store that burned down." Yeah, and that's when that's when the cop was like, "Oh, it's it's Charles well, Lee Ray," and then because when he's bringing Karen home, like they're having this con- we're trying to have this conversation because Karen's like, "Look, this is information that we need. This is what you know." Because she says her, you know, my son's life depends on us getting this thing taken care of, and Mike is just like, "Nope, nope, nope." Like he is pushing her out of the car. Like you need to go home now, and. I couldn't tell if it was because he was done having the conversation or if it was because he needed to get rid of her so he could go investigate, go pull open the Charles Lee Ray file again and start going through some Well, no, I, th- I think it was more of like, n- lady, lady, I want to go home. I'm supposed to be off. Like, I, like I, that's kind of how I took it was like, I'm like, you're kind of inconveniencing me. And mm-hmm. it's like, nope, you're crazy. Just go, go home, get some sleep. And then, but then, like, she makes the comment, like, oh, like, I'm a loose end. Like, you can't, yeah, you can't leave it open. Like, like, you said you hated loose ends. And then that's when he's like, well, shit, now I gotta go. And, and he, and he goes and checks out the, the file. And then he's like, and then he gets the real proof because Chucky's in his back seat. That scene was bananas. So, this is a really well shot scene. There's a bunch of, it's almost like Hitchcock cuts. Yeah. So, um... Oh, good pull. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see It's kind of like Hitchcock yeah. cuts throughout this whole thing where, um, there's, the, like, there's a quarter... You see Chucky pop up, quarter around the neck. Um, uh, Mike's trying to keep control of the car. And it's this whole thing where Mike looks up and he sees Chucky, the doll, over his shoulder. And he's like... <gasps> and you can see that realization on his face of nobody was lying to me. Everybody was telling yeah. the truth. And he's like, and now this fucker's gonna kill me. 
And Karen even said before he threw her out of his car, like, he's already got Eddie Caputo. He's coming after you next. Yeah. And, you know, because Mike had told her, like, Charles E. Ray um, was Eddie's partner. And he, you know, he mentioned that the last thing that was said was, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill Eddie or something like that. And um, so when Karen reminded him that he's next, he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then he's like, oh, shit, I really am next. And there was this whole scene of panic. One of the best things about that is when we're getting the knife gag through yeah. the seat. So it starts out through the back. And then it starts coming up from underneath. Yeah, it's like getting this crush. I was like, oh, that's terrifying. It's real scary. Oh, and, cover your boys. And um, he's still trying to drive the car. Oh, yeah. Like, it, like he's, he's... I'm like, bro, pull over. Pull over, get out. Yeah, just, just you know... T- and duck, he was driving duck and roll blocks. He was dr- so yeah. far, like, nearly getting it, into then wrecks. Then it gets to the point where uh, he's, hitting, he's trying to hit the brake, and then Chucky, like, slashes his leg, and then... Hits the gas for him. Yeah, he crawls under. Crawls under the seat. Hits it's, the gas for him. It's one of the old like. Uh, it's crown. It's a crown vix. Yeah, one of the ancient eighties, yeah. humongous crown vix uh, with the bench seats where my, you could reach underneath. Yeah. My cousin and uh, uncle, they actually like my uncle used to be a uh, like I guess, he's well, Florida Highway Patrol. Yeah, he's, he's Florida Highway Patrol guy, but like I mean, he's retired now. Uh, but they, he was like a adamant. Crown Vic collector, mm-hmm. and so my cousins, like through high school, had those old school Crown Vics and stuff. They were pretty, pretty damn, pretty, pretty damn sweet, if I do say so. Well, I mean, yeah, a bunch were, of boats of, they of were a vehicle, but huge, yeah. yeah, but they were bulletproof, and yeah. um, you could he could get into a seven car pileup and still drive away in one yeah. of those. Well, in this one, so Chucky hits the gas, and they end up flipping the vehicle. And the scene that happens right after that, they could have done it uh, as a, a quick and easy, but they they kind of made a meal out of it, and they just like stretched it out a little bit. Oh, longer. where he's running around the car. And, yeah. yeah. So the one thing that that struck me as, as kind of weird is like so he drops down from the seat in front of of Mike, and he does the, it's like the big jump scare. He's like ah, he, he said something. And then he's run past Mike, and then Mike gets his gun out, and he's and he's you know holding he's like pointing it out at the at, you know the open spots. And you can see the little feet running past, but the thing was like, which is really creepy. Oh, uh, super creepy, and because you can hear the skittering sound. Yeah, and he's not just he's not just running around the car; he's running on top of the car, so you can hear it like. Just like, like running across the roof. It's or, like Stitch's Great Escape at Disney. Yes, exactly. So I mean, it's uh, it really holds up. And then like he would, like pop up in like weird little spots or like coming at Mike, and then he'd, he'd shoot him or something like that. And and then you think he was done, and then he'd do it all over again. Mm-hmm. So it's like they could have done it that one time, and then like he you know, could have gotten shot and then just ran off. No, they did it. They did that second go around and then yeah. had Chucky come through, try to come through the windshield at him. And, uh, well, the second time happened because he was collecting his knife out of the side of the car. That's right. And yeah. then um, he tried to come at Mike through the busted windshield. And that's when Mike shot him in the shoulder. And we see the little spray of blood, which tips off the audience. It's like, oh, well, Chucky ain't right yeah. anymore. And still, but that scene was. V- so nicely done 
Like, I, I love that scene. It's very intense. And Sarandon yeah. sold it, too, because you could see that yeah. he was on edge the whole time. And then when he saw Chucky actually take off and run away, you could see the, that tension immediately just... His head hit the back of the seat like he just relaxed for a second. But you could almost see his body visibly just, just like, um, deflate. Yeah. Like a balloon emptying kind of thing. Um, the One of the weirdo parts about this movie... Okay, so the original idea behind the Chucky-Andy dynamic was there was going to be this weird blood-packed thing. Like, the, the good guy dolls were going to be... They were designed to come with a bunch of accessories, so you could get a bunch of to- other toys to go with this main doll. Again, American Girl doll for boys. Just keep that in... Hold that in your head while you're thinking about this. And one of the accessory kits that you could get was uh, a medical kit. It was a first-aid kit, so there was, like, Band-Aids and all kinds of little things you could get with it. And the good guy dolls, if you... were, They were, like, a silicone shell, and if you cut them, they there was something inside that it would bleed a little and you could put the thing on. Um, well, I guess you were bandied on it. And the original idea was that Andy was a little unhinged and he did like a blood packed doll, a blood pack thing with this doll and the doll. That's when the doll came to life. Well, they ditched that and they just went with this whole voodoo idea. And that has, that thread went through one, two, three, that, it went through all the way through to Seed of Chucky, and then they didn't really talk about it too much in the most recent two in the series. But um, And then it was completely abandoned for the remake. But the voodoo part is odd. They introduced this real supernatural element into it um, that I have a real hard time. That was probably the one part of the movie that was real shaky for me um, because it didn't makes sense it just it didn't make enough sense for me to to stick with it um especially when chucky goes to the voodoo priest voodoo priest Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term i guess yeah he goes to that guy's apartment and he's got um a voodoo a, a voodoo doll to like show the whole thing it's like oh i've got your own mojo here doc thanks for showing me how to do that um that's where it loses me just a little. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I I actually kind of dig it. Like I think it it works for how ridiculous the concept is. Yeah. And th- the way that they handled it in the remake, I like that version of it as well because they kind of take it into AI. A, an AI aspect instead of it being. They they basically do a, a Cyberdyne system, but with Chucky, and and again I, I I really dig on that. With this, I like that they took it in this in that voodoo kind of form. I just think that they took the voodoo too like almost to the yeah you know, to this like weird aspect because I don't think in. I think they either needed... To, I, I, don't, I don't... I think if they were going to go with it, they really should have pushed the idea. Because when we get to, like, Charles, Charles Lee Ray's apartment, and he's got all the stuff on the walls and the painting, and that's when they figure out that he's got the voodoo witch doctor buddy. Yeah. Um, A little part of me was, like, having, like, Brad Dorif, 
um, you know, doing, like, the voodoo witch doctor, like, the, the well, not witch doctor, but just the voodoo, um, like, practicing and things like that. Um, little, little weird, but I think they were kind of taking, like, that, uh, kind of Charles Manson, um, kind of, like, just, just that person that's, like, that's open to other other ideas. Yeah, I don't think man. I don't think Manson's the best for well, that. Maybe not the, yeah. he was doing. He was trying to be like a. Cult, he was doing the cult leader thing, but um, I mean, he was open to it. I think. I don't know. Maybe I just feel like they could have pushed it further. I mean, what? Like, how would you feel if they if it turned out to be more of a like a satanic thing, like a and that like get rid of the voodoo. I and think. I think the reason why they didn't go that route. And this is the only thing that would make sense in my head is that it was overdone. And in the 80s, you were dealing with the satanic panic, and you were coming off of a lot of stuff in the 70s where they did the sat- satanic witch daily. Um, so I think the voodoo kind of set it apart instead of. Because the satanic thing would have been obvious. I think it would have been the low hanging fruit. Okay. Yeah, okay. That, that, yeah, I could see that. Well, and that's where it's like with this, with the, the voodoo, it's something that is a little different. Uh, it's. For the concept of this movie, it's you're adding in this whole it's it's a weird element, and then with like as as you mentioned like where he actually goes back to his the voodoo priest, um, even the priest was like, you're an abomination on you know on well, on man even, and, and and or to nature. What little him. I don't know a ton about the voodoo religion um, and the practice, but. It is very steeped in, like, natural element kind of things. And kind of the same way that, like, witchcraft is. Where it's very much, like, keeping... Trying not to throw the balance of nature off too much. And, um... So when the... I cannot remember the character's name, but the priests... The voodoo priest... It was a a priest John. John, that was it. Mm -hmm. So when John sees Chucky and he says, You're an abomination against nature, I was... And Chucky goes on and says, well, you taught me all this stuff. I was like, how did John not know that teaching someone how to beat death was going to be unbalancing nature? Yeah. Like, there, there's definitely a, or a not, weird... Che- or not beat, but cheat. Yeah. And, and that's and that's where it's like, to sit there and, and te- yeah, like as you said, show somebody, it's like, oh, don't cook this food. But it will feed you. Like, but don't do it. Like, it's it's fine. It's yeah. Like, it's just sort of. I, it's especially for someone that's like, oh, I could die at any point because of the shit that I'm in. Well, Charles yeah. Lee Rice, you know, su- had seeked him out specifically to learn those things, and I liked that they kind of kept true to it with like the Grigri and the whole thing. I was like, that's kind of neat. Um, I. I don't know. I don't know how they could have done it, but I think I would have liked to have seen them really push it more. It was peppered in, but I think maybe that's where I'm I'm kind of feeling meh on it because I feel like they didn't really like lean into it as much as they could have. Yeah. Well, I, I know with the, the chant that Charles Lee Ray does um, over Andy and, you know, and the doll, you know, just the whole, you know, give me the power I beg of you and things like that. Um, I, th- I think that they, they did okay with that, 
but it took on that supernatural. And that's where I think that if they did something that was more like a demonic or uh, or like a satanic kind of thing. Because this movie is so grounded. It's so, like, everything about it is so grounded in reality that the voodoo part, the magic part, really, uh, it sticks out a lot. Yeah. It doesn't, it's kind of like we're going to force... I mean, hell, it didn't even have to be a, a satanic thing. It could have just been, as you said, a witchcraft thing. However, I know you've dealt with some, you know, Wiccan things, and you know other witches and, and what have you. So I already know the answer to this question. It's like, is there anything that could be said? No. No, not at all. It's no. more of like... You, have to, just, you would have had... They would have had to make something... Out, they had to pull something out of their ass because there's yeah. no... There is not a single... That I'm aware of, there's not a single religion on the face of the planet that's like, this is how you cheat death. So yeah. I don't, but I I don't know enough about voodoo to make a call on whether that's actually a thing or not. If anyone wants to email us at yeah, cre- we, at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com and let us know like some of the details on yeah. that, I am totally down to learn. But to my knowledge, if a religion or a practice is steeped in the keeping the balance of nature and sort of working within those boundaries, then that's not a th- that's not something that I could see, but the only the only thing that I've ever heard of, and this is me just giving like a very you know armchair kind of style. The only thing I ever known about voodoo is the whole zombie lore, where it's like they would bury somebody, and then or they would they would kind of give them like some type and of drug them. They would drug them, bury them, and then when they rise up, they were still super drugged out of, out of their mind, but they were able to uh, con- control. Yeah, it was them. a mind control yeah. technique. And, but they were and, and they were able to kind of use uh, any type of like voodoo ritual to kind of help enhance that whole whole shindig. I don't know. But, but I think that yeah. I just I feel like they should have done more with it because um, it it was the the oddball puzzle piece that didn't quite fit in its spot because the rest of the movie was so grounded in reality um but what they did do was pretty well done i i did enjoy it i wish i actually kind of wish we could have gotten a little bit more of john somehow um he was a super peripheral character it's like we meet him and then he dies yeah so and then he but um mike and karen get there to his apartment just after Chucky beats it out of there and um he manages to tell Karen save the boy he's going after the boy yeah and they and they know exactly who it is but um also too it's like the whole thing of like where Chucky's like hey buddy you know why is this happening to me like it, this is this is really starting to hurt and it's like I'm, I'm not invincible like I thought like what's happening to me and then John I'm I'm assuming that he's never seen this before, so he's just kind of given this like. Uh, well, he just said he's like you're becoming human. Yeah. Your your soul eventually your the body you put yourself in. Here's the, I guess the theory behind it. This the body eventually accepts the soul, and the two start to merge together as one. And so, 
the doll body is humanizing, which I think is really funny when we get into the bride of Chucky and he's anatomically correct all of a sudden. Yeah. Which is hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's quite what Chucky wanted to hear. So that was not fun for him. Yeah. And um, then, then the whole thing of like, well, you got to go after the first person that you revealed yourself to. And, like, one, I I enjoy that part because of the whole thing of, he's like, he gets excited because he's like, I get to be a six-year-old kid again and, yeah, live, he and gets relive to, my life. Yeah, and he can do things different. Nobody, you know how many people think about that? It's like, man, if I could just, there's so many things I would do differently if I'd have known. And that's his chance to go he gets to keep all of that knowledge and then relive his life again. Yeah. And then I got to thinking, it was like, does he, he ends up ha- like talking like Andy mm-hmm. or does he get the, the Brad Dory voice? Like I'd imagine he, well, I don't think Andy's vocal cords could do that. No, thing, but, so but still he would like... end up being the, it's Chucky. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, um, uh, but I, like, I mean, I, I, I thought that was cool. And also because of, Adding that that uh, kind of intense factor where it's like, oh no, the boy is now in trouble. It really, it really does put because the the danger for Andy was not. It was always kind of like on the peripheral. It was never really on him. It was sort of just around him. And then when we find out that this is how Chucky saves himself, then the danger is put squarely on Andy. And uh, I want to talk about the climax of this movie because this movie ends three times. Yes. There's three very specific endings to this movie where you're thinking the movie's over and it's not. And it definitely takes that slasher paint by numbers like, oh, did that again. Yeah. So Chucky, we think, so Chucky gets burnt up in the fireplace. He did. Okay. Let's pause on that real quick. One of the best lines in the movie comes. So Chucky is freaking the yep. fuck out. Miss Barley puts him in the the fireplace, and she's trying, like she's reaching for the you know uh, for all the matches, and like she's like doing all this stuff, and she like looks up and she's like, Andy, come help me, come help me. Andy like was just knocked out a second ago, so he's still kind of like coming to trying to figure out what's really going on then he's like okay so he goes and gets like he gets the matches like she cranks up the gas and all of a sudden he uh chucky just stops and he's like he's like andy i thought we were friends i thought we were like you know friends to the end and the best line this is the end friend and then and then big big fire and it's just like I was like, oh my god, it's so satisfying to hear that little tiny voice mm-hmm. just be like, you son of a bitch. It's just... Yep. So, Ch- Chucky gets cooked, and everyone, then it's like, oh, he's dead, yay. Um, uh, he's cooked, he, and then, yeah, because he's cooked, and he gets launched out of the fireplace onto the rug. He, yeah, he rolls He rolls out because he's, he's freaking out because he's on fire, as you do. And then uh, he ends up kind of stopping. And he on the goes rug. limp on the rug. So it's like, yeah. okay, he's dead. He got burnt up. And then he died. He comes. There's this, the sec ending part two 
is where Mike is in Karen's bedroom on the floor. He got Chucky cut him, and so he's hurt, and um, Karen sends Andy to go get the first aid kit from underneath the kitchen sink. Well, Andy realizes that Chucky is not where they left him. And, uh, yeah, there's just like a smoldering pile of ash. Yeah, and uh, he ends up getting chased down the hallway. Um, and then there's a whole another scramble to try to keep him out of the bedroom. And um, Well, and like, because they had like, it was the connecting bathroom where yeah. it, it could be connected from out the outside of the hallway and inside the bedroom. It was, so it was a loop. Yeah, so they... He got chased into the bedroom, and then that's when he, you know, shut the door, and then, like, and the mom locks it, and then Chucky starts to run around to the, you know, the other side of the hallway. She runs over, grabs the door, shuts it, and she's, like, holding it, because there's no lock on that door. Yeah, and it's, she's struggling to keep it shut. Yeah. And, um, oh, Chucky's and, stabbing oh through the God. door. He gets her in the hand. He almost gets her in the face. Eventually, he gives up on that side. He runs... Right back around to the bedroom door, kicks the door in, and um, Karen takes the gun and starts shooting off. She shoots off body parts, so his head goes, his arm goes, his leg goes, and then she shoots him in the back twice until the gun clicks and it's empty. Oh, and like she she shoots him, like shoots him in the back, like so he's scattered all over the place, as you said. But then she just like keeps on trying to fire, yeah. and I'm like, it's empty. That is such a great little thing for the actress to to do where it's just like oh i'm just gonna like keep going it's like just shoot it until it's dead but yeah, it's like it's, it's like not a bullets and andy had to stop her like andy was like mom like any he, any he, like got her to focus back like like she was just gonna keep clicking that gun mm-hmm. and i was like that psyche is incredible like yeah. that, that's such a cool little and little that is thing. it's just it's just a panic thing um that's happening and she's in her head she's still shooting but the gun's empty so that's the second time chucky dies the third time is after the detective's part uh, mike's partner goes out and mike specifically tells him do not touch any of the doll parts out there and his idiot partner picks up chucky's head brings it back into the bedroom and he's like seriously you guys yeah, like, he, he doesn't understand... He's still in that camp of, like, what do you mean the doll did it? Like, I don't understand. Like, oh, the kid's right? What are you talking about? Right, so he picks ridiculous. up this charred doll head, and he's like, guys, this thing is clearly dead. And he's, like, smacking the head, and he's trying to... Like, he's poking at it, and he's doing all this stuff. Be like, look, see, it's clearly dead. And then out of the vent behind him comes Chucky's body, and you the head wakes back up, starts screaming... Choke him, kill him, kill him, kill him. kill him all. It's like, he's like, and so it's such a weird thing, like, because it's like, okay, well, if Chucky was supposed to be kind of turning human and then, but his, he could have a, uh, you know, dismembered head. Well, the thing is, is that um, when they were still in John's apartment right before he died, Karen asked him, how do we kill him? And he said, oh, that's right. yeah. it's his heart. You got to get his heart. I was like, okay, so vampire. And um, Mike had his uh, his backup gun and he was shooting at the body. And Karen's like, shoot him through the, she remembers, shoot him through the heart. Yeah. And you get the little, that satisfying little blood splatter out the back. And the body finally falls down. And um, that was ending part three. Yeah. It, which was the real ending. Yeah. 
Which, in in a weird way, each one of those endings was so satisfying. And and two of them weren't even actually the finish of the movie. Exactly. It was like, even after they were done, you're like, you kind of had that same uh, reaction that Mike had when he was in the flipped over Crown Vic. It's just like the, that deflated, like, okay, okay, we yeah. can breathe. All right, he's good. Like, he's got to yeah. be dead. Like, he's, he's done. The and I was cri- like, holy shit, he's back again. Yeah, it's like, the crisis oh, no. is over. It's yeah. not over. <laughs> but the crisis really was over at that point until the good guy company was like, let's resurrect this thing in part two. Because uh, they didn't need, they didn't have enough bad press, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, what do you... Like what, what sort of a rating do you give this one? Because this was your pick. For me, I'm giving this one a four. A four skull out of five. Uh, this one, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, where I was in that camp where I was like... I remember seeing Chucky when I was a kid, but it was just... It, it wasn't scary. It wasn't... Like I, I didn't have that that same aspect, but then later on, as I like actually watched the film, it holds up to this day. It yep. is creepy. It, just having that 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 scene where uh, you know Mike's in the flipped uh, over Crown Vic, you can see Chucky kind of scurrying around the vehicle. You don't know what side he's on. Like it really is a creepy little fucking thing. Um, Brad Dory. One of my fa- all-time favorites. His the voice that he gives Chucky is super iconic. And um, for the remake, they got my other favorite, Mark Hamill. So I was, yeah, I was, in terms of voice actors, they did not go wrong in either of those. I I felt they they did a it was a it was a great great little choice. But still, uh, I know a lot of fans were like, oh, why they they didn't just get Brad Dourif to do it? But um, I think he's doing the series on Sci-Fi. Yeah. Um, but still, Brad Dory uh, just really adds that layer for Chucky. Uh, and also to, I think my favorite part of this is the puppeteering. Yeah. Um, that is a huge factor for this movie. And uh, the little little midgets. <laughs> midgets and Chucky costumes. Yeah, right. Uh, big, big, big props on that. So yeah, it's, it's a four. Um, because... I went from being shit movie to like understanding and like really enjoying it. Like, yeah. So that's why I'm giving four. Yeah. Um, same. I, it's a four out of five for me. Uh, I can't, I cannot say that the script is rock solid, but it's really good. It's real. it's fairly it's, well thought out. It's hanging out. on. It's, it's, it's really doing pretty well. Uh, considering this was, this had two passes after it was originally submitted by Don Mancini. Um, it was effective. This is one of the handful of movies that, even though I've seen it multiple times, it's still scary to me. I still get nervous in all the in the places where I'm supposed to. I still kind of hold my breath a little bit in places where I'm supposed to. Um, the pacing's really good. The puppeteering's really good. The actual doll itself looks amazing. Still, still, 30, almost 32 years after this movie came out, the puppet still looks amazing. Like, you know how some things, they just don't age well? Yeah. This, this age just fine. So, like, whatever Kevin Yeager and his team did 
to make that Chucky doll from its original, like, cute, innocent little ginger incarnation all the way to the end where it's burnt to a crisp and barely recognizable as anything anymore. Like, they really did an amazing job. It, it holds up like the animation in Jurassic Park. Yeah, like very it much has. So. It's hardly aged at all. And um, I just... Uh, even though there were some missteps in the series as a whole, this was an amazing kickoff. I honestly think the original two, um, we'll get to Child's Play 2, I don't know, either later this year or probably next year. Um, the They really do, they give me a little bit of anxiety to watch and I get nervous watching them. Yeah. And I can't even begin to, I don't know if it's because they actually, as a kid, I was scared when I was a kid, um, a lot. I was probably six years old the first time I saw one of the Child's Play movies. I think it was Child's Play 2. Um, it was running on, like, TBS or TNT or, like, one of the, the... It would run on, like, a Saturday night or something on one of the cable stations. And it was right before Child's Play 3 came out. So there was a bunch of... A fuck ton of media for that. I remember there was interviews with the cast and there was all this behind-the-scenes stuff and... Um, constantly things coming out through like the Entertainment Tonight type channels and um, I ended up catching bits and pieces of I think it was Child's Play 2 I would be up, would be up for days mm. and just like Gremlins this movie still I'm, th it still freaks me out hmm. yeah this one this one holds up 2 I remember seeing um, first actually and, I did too. And, I saw them backwards. Yeah, well, because I was a little bit younger, um, and and I think my dad rented it, and it was like one of the like the first movies where I felt like I, I could really handle it, like past like Monster Squad. Mm. Um, so it, and, and again, it's just a toy. Like so, I mean, our daughter, <laughs> our loving daughter Helena. She came out like she couldn't sleep while we were watching the the damn film. It was towards the end. Too. Yeah, and she was just like, she was watching it too. I mean, she's three years old, so it's kind of like, like she it wasn't phasing her whatsoever. But I mean, again, it's like I think there's a a line of because I think when you saw you were what like seven eight was, years old. I was like six seven somewhere yeah. in there. So I mean, you could actually have like a little bit of a grasp of what is actually on the screen. Well, at first she comes um, out and she's yeah. like, "Ooh!" I was like, "Hey, we're watching a scary movie. Are you sure?" And she's like, "Yeah." So she comes to sit down and she's like, "Ooh, spooky ghost!" And then I was kind of did the same thing, and then she goes, "No, that's a monster." Yeah, because this is like right when Chucky gets charred. Yeah, and she's like, "Ooh, okay." And like, goes, that's, that's and then great. at the end of it, she's like, "Is the monster dead?" It was cute. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the monster's all gone. I looked at her, I was like, you know this is pretend, right? She goes, yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right. All right, cool. I mean, in both of our kids, like, I mean, my my sons watch, uh, you know, It with me and stuff like that. And so he just thinks, like, you know, Pennywise, like, he knows who Pennywise is, but he just keeps saying that he's a lion because of the, the big teeth. So it's like. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's the thing was, like, with. This movie, I could definitely see where it's got that big creep factor. It still holds up. Chucky. But it's a small, it's got a, a big creep factor in it. And what's really a very small movie. It's yes. a small cast on small sets 
um, in a small, like, subsection of a neighborhood. Like, it's everything about the movie is small. Small, 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 which is really funny because the antagonist is so small. So it's like having the whole thing feel, like, little. Yeah. Um, you have your antagonist, the, and, the, and the protagonist is a kid. The only thing that I felt did not hold up to this day is when Chucky is doing his final incantation or, you know, the... The, oh, the Dumbella. Yeah, the Dumbella. You could see the lightning and everything. You could see it's like a green screen. They did like a cutout of the building and then like all the clouds are around it. So it's in a city aspect. So it's like, why is it cut out? It, like it did not make sense for that. That's not, the only thing yeah. I did not see that that held that held up. Late eighties effects. Yeah, like they were really trying to just play with it, but it's like, but earlier in the scene, like that's on a corner. It, it's the building's on a corner, so there's other, like there's more building that stretches out, and it's like, but the, all they did was they just they cut out a section of it, and then you can see. Uh, just clouds just around it. It's just it, like, that is, eh. that is, I don't know if that was just an er, real early CGI attempt or it was just a real early, or it was like the old plate method where they would have, they would put one thing on top of another. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like the, you know, the Harry Hudson miniatures or still, something. still, it's like that didn't sway me whatsoever with it. That, that, that's so like, that's one little small. misstep in the 80s. That, and it's for a few seconds. It's yeah. not even like it's a, you're not staring at it for five but, solid minutes. But going, still, oh, this I mean, looks like garbage. Chucky is amazing. And the rest of the franchise is a ton of fun. Minus Seed. Don't watch Seed. Burn it. Beat it with a stick. And I mean, then unless you burn re- it again, unless you really enjoy getting frustrated and angry over something, then go, go nuts. I can't, yeah. I can't stop you. But I, I skip over Seed of Chucky, and we own it. It's in that because we have the big oh. seven disc uh, yeah. Child's Play kit. We own it. It's never come out of its case. Nope. So it's because it came yeah. in the collection. <laughs> we don't but watch it's, it. But it's fun, and the the whole whole series like I'm. I really dig. I'm a big fan of Chucky. So I am, especially especially the last two going back to making Chucky scary again, like legitimately scary again yeah. in Curse and Cult of Chucky. And I'm sure there's people out there listening, rolling their eyes, but I mean, like hey, give this, it, give it another shot. It this yeah, it's leaps and bounds better than a lot of the shit that came out in the '80s, and even a lot of the stuff that is lauded. Mm-hmm. With crit- like a, with fan appeal, like it's been held in way higher esteem in fan circles. It's still Child's Play is going down as one of my absolute favorite horror series, bar none at this point. Yeah. And I'm like full series. Yeah, like, that thing is full series. Well, in terms of issues, yeah. this one had very few compared to some of the others. I mean, yeah. if you remove Seed of Chucky, it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, part three had some issues because it. But that, I think, had more to do with it being rushed out. It came out nine months after part two did. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. rushed. So I think if they had taken another six months on it, it would it probably would have been just fine. So well, Let's go ahead and give the go-home. Yeah, so I got the go-home cue on that one. That wraps up our Child's Play episode. Uh, join us every Tuesday on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, if you subscribe, which I would highly recommend, we will be uh, in said podcatcher at midnight. 
Yeah, um, just smash that subscribe button. Just be like, I love it so much, I have to hit it twice. Yeah. Oh, um, no, no, don't hit it twice. Because if you hit it twice, three that times. means you unsubscribe. Yeah. So, subscribe. Just unsubscribe hit it once and you'll be good. <laughs> um, like, share, comment. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Tell your friends. Um, anything that we can do to grow our reach uh, is amazing. You guys have been stellar so far um we are just past the six month mark as a podcast and it's, it's, it's been growing. phenomenal it's been at this growing. point we have well over a thousand plays we've got news we get new subscribers every week so thank you thank you thank you you guys are great oh, yeah. um follow us on instagram and facebook at creeping it real r-e-e-l as in movie reel um you can also get some merch on Redbubble, uh, we are uh, creepingitreal.redbubble.com. Uh, t-shirts, mugs, they're all, you know, random household things. They're all one-of-a-kind originals done by Monsieur Lunchbox. Yep. And uh, the one thing that I love about Redbubble is that the quality of the, like, the, the items is really good. I mean, a lot of times, like, I like, bought, I got a, a Doctor Who t-shirt from Redbubble six or seven years ago. It's it's gone a bit dingy on the sleeves because it was a baseball tee, but the print still looks it's pretty still good. Holding up. Yeah. But I mean, but the just the quality of the items themselves are really good. And what's awesome is that you can get it within like any size from like small to three X. And now they're doing like kids uh, items too, which is great. But then um, you know you can get it in like I think I have like seventeen different colors, so you can just pick one of my logos and then just pick whatever and color it's you fully like. Fully customizable. So I love I love that you can do that with with any of the items that are on the the site. Um, just you know, you go in, pick some stuff, and also too, it's like uh, when you actually like if you go to the site, favorite one of the, if you see a design you like, favorite it. And then that way, again, it gets in the... Move it up the ranks. Yeah, it's like that. The, it helps us, helps you, helps us even more. Right, because so. the, more, the more audience we get, the better. Um, the more money we can raise, the better, because that means better quality um, episodes for you guys. It's going to be better quality equipment and those sorts of things. Um, so help us grow. We can't do it without you guys, and we are so, so grateful. We love you. We love you so much. And we are so, so grateful. So until next Tuesday, I've been Meg. I've been that good buddy Lunchbox. And we will catch you then. Bye.